grass is always green around the other side. Caterpillar to a butterfly. Bye, bye, butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Good Saturday morning, August 27th, seven minutes past the hour, past six o'clock. Ashley Frasca live in studio with you. Good Saturday. We made it to the weekend. It was a long week. I don't know if you felt the same, but I think everybody's back in school now from elementary schools throughout Metro Atlanta, all the way through all of the colleges. Everybody's moved in and settled. So here we are. I uh, got to Marco with me running the board, got Leo answering your phone calls this morning, 404 872 0750. I always like to start off the show with things that I am observing out in the garden, out in the landscape right now. I haven't spent a whole lot of time outside this week. I've been really busy, but uh, I do know that this time of year right now, the end of August, September, are the times that hummingbirds and monarchs both start their migrations south. And I'm so fascinated by that. And the way I can tell and the way I was triggered to remember about the hummingbirds was they are going crazy at the feeder. And I think it's the rufous and the ruby-throated hummingbirds that are just dive-bombing each other. I mean, that's nothing new, certainly. But they're getting fat. (laughs) They're getting really fat because they're loading up on that nectar to make the trip south. And that's going to occur here over the next few weeks. And I found out some things. I'll give you a couple of websites here that are really, really neat if you're fascinated by these migrations for them to go to the warmer climates. Um, hummingbirdcentral.com is a wonderful website. He's even got a tracker, an interactive map where folks are tracking what they see. And for monarch butterflies, which you heard uh, my friends Annette Wise and Yap Darude on the show talking about the Rosal- Rosalind Carter uh, butterfly trail, they refer to journeynorth.org. That's the website, journeynorth.org, for tracking migrations and seasons and everything about monarch butterflies. But so the hummingbird gains about 25 to 40 percent of their body weight to make this trek. That's why they look so pudgy. That's why they look so fat. Uh, They're spending all day at the feeder. They can travel 20 plus miles in one day. Those tiny little hummingbirds and their hearts beat incredibly fast, about 1,200 times a minute. That takes a lot of energy to fly that far south. And in recent years, um, experts have noticed that they may be found at feeders like in South Texas, South Louisiana, there along the Gulf. And they're overwintering there. (laughs) They don't want to make the trip necessarily as far south as Mexico. So it's warm enough for them, South Texas and South Louisiana along the Gulf. So all that to say, keep those feeders full right now. Keep them clean and keep them full because these guys really, really need our help getting the energy that they need to make that long trek. And then journeynorth.org and tracking the monarch butterflies, um, the monarch fall migration, so spectacular. I know you've probably seen it on TV, but maybe not in person. Very few of us have seen it in person. And it's unpredictable, they say. People often report seeing large numbers of monarchs flying in a clear directional flight or seeing hundreds that are nectaring in a field. Again, they're trying to fuel up as well on the flowers. For that long flight. And what's interesting is when there are just a huge number of monarchs landing in a tree or landing all together, that's called a roost. So they'll just kind of chill there for a little bit, rest up, and then they start to head south as well. So journeynorth.org is the website where you can kind of track monarchs. So I'll be reminding you of those things throughout the fall. Man, if you see that, take a picture. If you see a lot of hummingbirds, 
kind of, well, they fly solo, so maybe you won't see them in a roost, so to speak. But if you see the monarchs that are just gathered in a big, big crowd, uh, take a picture. That, that's got to be pretty spectacular to see. And I think a lot of you, uh, your ears perked up last weekend when I interviewed Yopterud. He is a professor of biology at Ember University and spends time researching monarch butterflies. And he said that the lab there at Emory, they will give you milkweed. They'll give you native milkweed, all in hopes of promoting you attracting monarchs and caterpillars and things to your landscape. So uh, you may want to find, well, find my Facebook page, because that's going to be the easiest way to then find the link to uh, the Darude Lab. And you can uh, reach out to them. There's nothing on the website that's blatant, but there's nothing on the website that that tells you immediately how to do that, but um, you'll be able to get the con. Sorry, I'm distracted. You'll be able to get the contact information for the lab when you visit my Facebook page. So on Facebook, search Green and Growing WSB, and you'll be able to kind of head in the right direction, planting native milkweed. That is going to be the best, most guaranteed way to attract monarchs to the landscape. And also, a friend of mine, Kara, reminded me she and her husband um, out in the yard, you know, doing various yard tasks and things. Their dog was barking, 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 their little French bulldog, and found a copperhead. And now is really the time you're going to start to see copperheads. And they're just, I'm not going to say nesting, but they're just resting. They're just coiling up, trying to find a nice, cool place to stay. And just beware of where you're going to see them. It could be a, a log pile, a pile of yard debris. Um, a lot of times they'll get into a bag that you've left open. If it's a bag of grass seed or mulch, or soil or fertilizer or something like that, they're going to get nice and comfy cozy in there. So think about those things as you're out in the yard. Uh, Stomp your feet. Just make yourself known. Make yourself seem really big and loud. And trust me, they're not going to come towards you. They're going to actually go the opposite way. But as you're picking up different bags, piles, things in the yard, make sure you've got your gloves on and maybe start rustling things around just a little bit before you just go bend over and move that bag because you don't know where a copperhead's going to be. 404-872-0750. Want to jump out of the phones early this morning and say hello to our friend Nicole calling from Griffin. Hey, Nicole. Hi, Ashley. (laughs) How are you? Fine, fine. Uh, The almond bird, they were saying that uh, they travel uh, about 500 miles in one shot, and sometimes they trail on other bird feed uh, wings because they're oh. too tired. Aww. They go all the way down to uh, Louisiana and things like this. So please feed them. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, flying for maybe 23 miles before they rest, that's that's a lot for those little guys. Because they're so small, you know, and yeah. the energy, if the, the heart is beating so fast, they take, <laughs> they're, they're feeding all this energy, you know, to their little buddy. But anyway, uh, please don't cut your grass and flip-flop. Because oh, my I have gosh, those that sounds like a terrible pam- idea. <laughs> all right. Because I have those big pampa grass and the, the, uh, the, 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 uh, the uh, snake yeah. come and sleep in it, mm. and they make the babies in it. And oh. because they shed their skin, they just turn around. You know, pampa grass, they can the the blades are so sharp. You yeah, know? nothing else wants to get in there to get them. Ew! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, uh, for for numerous reasons, cutting the grass and flip flops is a bad idea. 
Um, I have had a scare. I mean, I, I use a push-behind mower, and it's, you know, propelled, so all I have to do is pull the little handlebar down to propel it when I need to for a little bit extra oomph, you know. But I go downhill with mine, and the grass has been slick, and there have been a couple of times when my foot has almost gone under the mower because I've lost my footing trying to go downhill. And, you know, there's that rubber flap back there to keep that from happening. But just in case, you never know. Um, yeah, I would not have flip-flops on. That just sounds really bad. Because uh, uh, if um, even if you uh, – there's a lot of nests of fire ants right now. Yeah. Oh, boy. If you put if you flip-flop, if you not hear the water, they're going to just eat you up. Oh, gosh, you're right. Fire you know, I, ants. I haven't seen very many this year. Are you seeing some in your landscape? Yes, uh, lately, not this summer because it was too dry, but when it's wet like this, boy, they go down, really down. You just got to uh, try to cut them, uh, cut, cow, cut them early in the morning because uh, the, the queen is up and put some hot water. You don't need to put all this chemical, you know. So you kill the queen, you kill all of them, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've heard boiling water works. But these other things like grits or cucumber oh, peels yeah. or whatever, probably <laughs> not going to work. But um, if, if the boiling water doesn't work, Amdro makes a really, really good product, a good bait that's going to be able to uh, be effective on that as well. And you're right, the time of day matters as well. When you read the label and know when, you know, when they're all kind of back in the mound and back home, that's going to be the most effective time. But what else are you seeing? Um, I'm fighting. Maybe you get, can get me somewhere I'm fighting the uh, kudzu. Oh. I have a big tree in the back, and um, uh, it's got three colors. I really want to keep him. Oh, he's a big, huge. So uh, I went. How far do I have to go? A mile away? Oh, to get rid of it? To get rid of this miles cartoon. and miles away. Oh but, no, not that far away. <laughs> well, you know what the good news is: is fall is the best time, and this is always when I get on top of uh, the poison ivy and the English ivy. And kudzu's no different. Fall's the best time, I guess. Once you kind of make a few cuts, and then it lends itself a little more susceptible to herbicides. That's when it soaks it in the best. That's when it's most effective. Is using that in the fall. So. I mean, kudzu's hard, and it's a lot more dense than, like, the English ivy I've got. But I try to cut what I can and manually remove what I can, of course, being aware of, like we talked about, spiders, snakes, all, all kinds of things. But then what's left, you know, trying to spray. I don't just advocate spraying a whole patch of it and, you know, taking it that easy. you got to put a little bit of work into it. Well, I went around and around, and I cut uh a big pair of flower, not a regular pair of flower, just a big pair of flower because it gets so. Um, so I was thinking maybe they trail on other trees because I went uh, probably half a mile around, tried to cut everything I mm-hmm. saw down. But it don't make any dent at all. It's still, it's still there. I know. I know. I do I the same. I don't want to use chemical, you know, yeah. my boy. Yeah. I don't know if, uh, you know, people rent the goats for uh, for ivy control, but I don't know that the goats want to eat the kudzu. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> how, about, how about the raccoon? Is he going to go there, too? Oh, see, and that's something I was talking to my mom about. I don't have raccoons in my landscape. And, I mean, I guess that's good. They're not coming after my bird feeder or whatever. They don't come up to the deck at night, but I think they're so cute. I Ashley, don't see them. Yesterday morning, I went to work, okay? I put my boot outside. I put my phone and I put my my um, plate of uh, uh, 
it's it's enclosed and everything, and I put a bag of chip. Mm-hmm. Five seconds, he came and get the Whoa. bag of chip. Whoa, hungry little guy. Ah, what? <laughs> He's got two clip, two chip clip, and I said, I know eventually <laughs> I'm going to find the clip, oh boy. Oh my gosh, opportunistic raccoon, I love it. Well, hey, give us a call again next Saturday if you have a chance. I always love hearing from you. All right, Ashley. Oh, have a great weekend. Don't work too hard. Uh, you Well... I am, but you know I try not to. All right. (laughs) See you later, Nicole. Thank you so much. 404-872-0750. When we come back, we're going to do the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend next on WSB. The weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Channel 2 meteorologist Brad Nitz has been in for Christina the last day or two. And this weekend says isolated thunderstorms, partly cloudy, 88 today, a low of 71. Man, that is really starting to feel a lot better in the evening time. And much the same tomorrow, partly cloudy, isolated afternoon storms again, a high of around 88. Green and growing. Green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. All right. So this isn't something you have to do right now, but I want you to start thinking about planting wildflower seeds. The soil just has to be lightly prepared. There's not a lot you need to do for it. Avoid the areas where grass is going to compete, though. Those seeds need all the room they can to grow freely. But during September, you start to mow and spray the area with a herbicide. I know I usually don't advocate for that, but you really want to kill out all the vegetation that's in the small patch of where you're wanting to do wildflower seeds. So you'll mow and you'll spray. You may have to do a second application of a herbicide in a week or two, but then by fall, by October or so, everything, all the the residual from the herbicide will be uh, gone and you'll be able to put those seeds. So number two, Fertilize patio pots with water-soluble high-nitrogen fertilizer to promote strong growth this fall. So um, I've got some coreopsis that I may pop that into that's potted. Um, I've got a little dwarf gardenia that probably could stand to use a little bit of boost of fertilizer too. And two mums that I've overwintered. So mums are really starting to open up now if you overwintered them. So all of uh, that slow-release fertilizer is going to help those things. And number three, September is peak time for most caterpillars. And a lot of folks saw that during the uh, Great Georgia Pollinator Census. So, But look out for the stinging caterpillars. These are the ones that are going to sting, or some are venomous. But the saddleback, the saddleback is a common one. He looks so cute and furry and has a green saddle on his back, like a bright green saddle-shaped spot on his back. But he's not cute. You want to stay away. Uh, They all become a little more prevalent in fall. Another one you're going to see is the tussock moth caterpillar. He's a fuzzy little yellow one, and he's got black tufts of hair, and those tufts are taller than the rest of his yellow hair. And the hickory horned devil, big and green, looks like something from Alice in Wonderland or like a Chinese folklore or something. That guy is crazy. It's best not to handle any caterpillars with fuzz or bristles. They may be hiding in piles of debris, like I just talked about with the snakes. Use a long-handled hoe or rake to pull up trash and stacks apart before starting to bend down and pick things up when you're looking out for snakes in the landscape, too. 404-872-0750. I want you to call in be a part of Green and Growing on WSB. Side. Caterpillar to a butterfly. 
Plants Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Hope you have a fun weekend planned. You're starting it off right by joining us here on 95.5 WSB. Happy to be live in studio uh, with you doing the show until 9 o'clock this morning. And then Dave Baker and the Home Fix It show literally shoves me out of the studio if I'm not out by 8.58. So as soon as that music ends, man, I got to go. I got to gather my things and get out. But we have a good time here on the weekends. 404-872-0750 is the number. And I want to know if you participated in the Great Georgia Pollinator Census. Uh, That was last weekend, last Friday and Saturday, whether it was with your school, your classroom, students, your business. Uh, There were resources on the website for businesses and employees to participate. And uh, wow, I bet everybody had a good time. And there were some rain dates. If it rained where you were, you had Sunday and Monday to kind of make up that lost time. But 15 minutes just counting pollinators, counting any insect that visited plants of yours. And I saw a lot of people posting wonderful pictures of just every kind of plant imaginable, abelia, a flowering shrub, a coneflower, milkweed, all kinds of things, lantana that uh, butterflies and things were really busy at. And I posted pictures of different butterflies that we see here in Georgia. Black swallowtail is one, uh, black and blue, a really common one, but orange on the undersides of its wings, like towards the back. And there's also eastern tiger swallowtail, Um, beautiful, the yellow and black. Those are really, really prevalent. You see those stand out. Uh, The spicebush swallowtail is another one, similar to the black swallowtail. And of course, a monarch, which I have not been fortunate enough to see the monarch, but that big, beautiful orange and black butterfly uh, that we spoke so much about last Saturday. So yeah, I'd love to hear what you did, uh, what plant you, you planted yourself down in front of and observed and kind of what you saw come to the plant. And speaking of the great Georgia pollinator census, uh, Becky Griffin, uh, the coordinator for all of that from the University of Georgia Extension, today's her birthday. So I want to wish Becky Griffin a very happy birthday and thank her for all she does for me and to help with content for the show and ideas and things. I really appreciate all of that. Um, In just a little bit, I want to take you back to an elementary school I visited just a few weeks back, uh, right in Cherokee County that I found out through social media. Isn't that a great thing sometimes that they had their own vegetable garden? And boy, PTA parents sustained it over the summertime with the help of the administration. And by the time the kids went back at the beginning of August, there was food ready to eat. And that was a fun trip for me. So I'll share that with you in just a minute. But want to take some calls, 404-872-0750. Up next is Dennis calling from Jasper. Hey there, Dennis. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. Hi. Hope you're doing well. You too. I'm just curious. Uh, I can say I'm, I'm up here in Jasper. I was down in Canton at a business the other day, and I saw this plant outside. It looked like an elfin ear, mm-hmm. except it's purple, and it's got, like, yellow veins on the leaves. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely beautiful. I did, and I looked around. We don't have a pike nursery up here. I looked around the box stores, their nurseries, and I, no, they didn't have it. I was just curious if you knew what I'm talking about. 
I mean, it very well could be an elephant ear. Um, there are varieties that are that are purple. Um, there's one like Hawaiian Punch. I think one's got black in the name because it almost is so purple it looks black, black stem or something like that. There are varieties that are that are purple. Um, and the same with canna lilies too. The ones that grow a tall stalk with the big leaves and have like a bright one, you know, flower up top. Canna lilies are the same way. You can get green leaf variety, purple leaf variety. So I bet that's what it is. But the yellow veins were they really pronounced? Yes, that's what stuck. That's what's really, you know, bold. I mean, it was like wow, you know. It's uh, I never seen anything like that. I mean, you know I was what? in the navy and I've been to like. 28 countries and i've never seen anything like that yeah and your travels probably took you to some tropical places right oh yeah yeah where you would see something like that um you know what i would do i mean if you just want to get a a plant book or google or something like you know black call them black elephant ears i think that's going to show up better as a search uh, rather than purple see if you can't identify it but what i would do is i don't know if that business in canton you know has a professional landscape company i almost am willing to bet dennis and this makes me sick a lot of the businesses like that when the landscape company comes they dig up all the summer stuff and they throw all of that stuff out when it's time to redo the landscape and they'll be re-landscaping here in about a month or so for the fall landscape they'll be pulling up all the begonias and things like that but i would be willing to go to that business and just ask for those tubers uh when the landscape company goes to change things out because sometimes they'll overwinter i mean i'm close to canton and i don't dig my elephant ears up every year i leave them i just cover them with a good layer of mulch or pine straw over the winter but i bet you that business is probably just going to cycle through another you know landscape setting so to speak so i would just see if you could go and get the tubers and you can either you know, dry them out in your garage or shed or something like that, or take them home and plant them and cover them over and see how they overwinter. Wow, I never thought of that. Yeah, I mean, like, I have had friends. I I went went inside and asked if they knew what it was, and (laughs) that lady said, no, it's beautiful. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. I know I've had friends actually when they see those landscape crews starting to change things out, they they ask them, you know, can I have the tubers? Can I have the bulbs? Whatever it is. You know, a lot of them will pull up tulips if tulips had been planted in the spring. And a lot of times those are hard to, to rebloom. But yeah, any of that, they're just going to throw it out. So shoot, see if you can't get lucky and take them. And then you can actually split them. You can start to divide them. So maybe if they're, you know, if they're, if they're given to you already somewhat large, uh, you can cut them with a sharp knife. Just make sure there's two or three nodes, like little noses on each piece that you separate. And that'll be a whole new plant. Yeah, uh, this thing was huge. It's like four feet tall. Yeah, aren't they cool? Oh, I mean, like the the size of some of the leaves are bigger than your torso. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean it, that's why I thought it was an elephant ear, but I never saw a purple one. As far as my knowledge goes, it probably would be. You're probably absolutely right. So good luck. I mean, talking to the business, seeing what you can do, and and maybe they'll let you know when the landscape crew set to come back out. That's what I would do. I'd scavenge. Yeah, sneak down there at night with (laughs) a butcher knife and take some. (laughs) Now, I don't advocate theft, but I do advocate just (laughs) borrowing what you know what they're not going to (laughs) reuse. Okay. Well, good. Appreciate it. Yeah, good to hear from you. Thank you, Dennis. Have a great morning. I love that. Yeah, I can just see all of you 
crazy gardeners and your black ski masks and your black gear and gloves and stuff trying to be all stealth. No, don't do that. But uh, yeah, I mean, shoot, it may be worth it. All right, DeMarco, I think we've maybe got some time here to uh, take a visit back to Macedonia Elementary School. Schools are all back in session, man. The kids are ready. Take a listen. And speaking of schools, how cool is it that a local elementary school grows their own vegetables and the kids get to sample them fresh at lunchtime? A harvest was awaiting these kids as they returned almost three weeks ago. The vegetables got pretty rave reviews. Tomatoes. Cucumbers. Pepper. Where are they from? In the there. The garden. So they didn't come from the grocery store? They didn't. Tell me, do you like spicy peppers or not spicy peppers? Spicy ones. Are those spicy ones? Yes. I mean, like a little bit. Uh, the very spicy one. Is it a jalapeno, you think? Yeah. I like how they taste. When Miss Cindy gives you guys lunch, do you ever take those sample cups and eat other things from the garden? Yes. Tomatoes. Do you eat the green tomatoes or you eat red ones? Red. Christy Rich, principal at Macedonia Elementary, shared a photo on Twitter on Cherokee County's second day back, expressing her pleasure seeing the vegetables in the lunch line. Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. I walked through the line. I'm like, hey, what is this? And they're like, it's eggplant and green beans from our garden. It was so delicious. And then right beside it were the cucumbers and then also the green peppers that they had picked as well. So it was just so good. And the kids coming through were like, wait, this is from our garden? This is from our garden? So it was it was so exciting. I think it's neat for the kids to realize that this is a summer round effort. Like this was still ongoing while they were enjoying their summer. And they come back to this and look at all that's waiting for them in the garden. Yes, and that's thanks to Miss Melanie, our PTA mom, that is totally taking care of our gardens in the summer and continues to do so now that we're in school. She comes at least up once a week to take care of everything, so she's amazing. Melanie, I understand that you kind of spearhead the effort here at the gardens at uh, Macedonia Elementary. Why did you take on this role? I actually personally love gardening, and it's one of my passions and probably one of my biggest hobbies. So I thought that I could be of help here at the gardens to keep it going. You have a special helper, too, who over the summer was up here with you a lot. I have two sons. One is eight, and he actually goes to school here at Macedonia, and he helps as well. And then my youngest son is five. His name is Frazier, and he also helps whenever we come. He really does enjoy picking the vegetables. I think his tomatoes are his favorite. Let's pick the red tomatoes. So he enjoys doing that. And you see how that can easily work into the curriculum for him because he's younger and that can help with his colors and just everything. Now, what would you say to the gardener who is a mom, who has a busy life, who is wanting to get involved in the kids' school as well? I don't have time to garden at home, let alone keep up with someone else's garden. How do you make the time? What I've learned from here is there are plenty of vegetables that are so easy to plant. For example, radishes would be one thing that was so easy to do. Another thing were the bush beans. And the mastermind behind the roasted eggplant and green beans, Cindy Byram, school nutrition lunchroom manager, on what a thrill it is to be able to use the school gardens. It's exciting. I've known gardens all my life. We just put it out there so the kids can see what has been grown in the garden so they can taste it. They really like to taste what they've seen grow. I envisioned that they wanted them to be close to where the kids could see them because they want it to be a part of our school campus. That it's not something we don't touch, but it's something that is part of their learning and they see them all the time.
Now, is there enough to go around? We're just doing a little bit of a sample in cups, so I would say probably a couple of hundred servings since school started. We've been doing tomatoes. They love tomatoes. They love cucumbers. Kids really love the um, fresh vegetables. Like they could dip in ranch. They love everything in ranch. I'm sorry. <laughs> but we've also had some eggplant and green beans, and we've been roasting them because it's a different flavor. And you told me there's herbs in here as well. What did you do special last year with the sage? Uh, we put it in our um, dressing that we the cornbread dressing at Thanksgiving, and we use we have thyme, oregano, and basil that we use in our Italian dressing. And we also added in a little bit extra into our tomato sauce with our um, spaghetti sauce. So it brings a little bit more pop to it. Fresh herbs, there's nothing that beats it. You know, at the grocery store, you get something that's been in a plastic container for a week, it's not the same. You can also dry it and have it for later in the winter. Drying herbs is basically you cut them, make sure they're clean, and you lay them out on the pan. You, You turn your ovens on to like 200 degrees, get it hot, put it in, turn it off, and leave the door shut for several hours, and it dries it. Jessica Emmett is the culinary specialist and farm-to-school liaison for Cherokee County who says roughly 25 of the 40 schools and centers in the county participate in the farm-to-school program at some level. And she tells me so many organizations are behind this effort. And I know the Cherokee County Master Gardener Group, you know, I've had Josh Fooder on the show a number of times. Is there a current working relationship with them? Absolutely. Uh, Josh is uh, great for any kind of resource that we need. He is definitely a hands-in-the-dirt kind of person. But we also have Farm Bureau. They have like a bus that they bring around to different schools to teach, almost like a mobile classroom. Yep, and it's very interactive for the kids, but two to two or three day kind of workshop have the kids come on different grades. They're all it's all about the learning. Melanie, in addition to the vegetables that are in the garden, I noticed there's some pollinator plants and Miss Christie mentioned that there was also some milkweed last year. I was able to count many, many different types of caterpillars that were on it that were the monarch caterpillar. So that was just really neat to see and I'm hoping moving forward we can incorporate a lot more native plants into our garden. And my thanks to Principal Rich and Wildcat Nation at Macedonia Elementary. I had a great time. We'll be right back. Stay tuned to WSB. An update on the weekend weather brought to you by Finley Roofing today and tomorrow. Going to be very similar. About a 30% chance for isolated thunderstorms. Highs in the high 80s and lows in the low 70s. 404-872-0750. Jesse calling from Rockdale. I love your question about propagating a dogwood tree. And I've got some good news for you. Yes, yes, you can. If you'll hang on about another 10 minutes, Jesse, I want to talk to you about how to successfully do that. I've just got about a minute here. Uh, a nice surprise for all of you coming up after 7 o'clock. Mickey Gazaway and her son, John, uh, join me in studio. She's going to help answer your garden questions. So get them in. Any questions you have about any plants, 404-872-0750. We love the knowledge and the passion and enthusiasm that Mickey Gazaway from Pike Nursery brings. And check out my website, wsbradio.com slash green and growing. And when you uh, scroll, I've got blogs and articles that I just released from yesterday's newsletter. But when you scroll to the bottom, the events page, things that are going on today, a free gardening for beginner class at Pike Nursery. That's at 10 a.m. You got to go to pikenursery.com and register, even though it's free. 
Pollination Rocks, a little project going on in downtown Woodstock next weekend. Picnic for Piedmont Park coming up in early September. So keep informed of all the fun things still happening this fall on my website, wsbradio.com slash green and growing. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.